and gentlemen to the eighth wonder of the world The flow of the century Oh, it's timeless Ho! Thanks for coming out tonight You could have been anywhere in the world But you're here with me I appreciate that Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Upper 90 Podcast with me, Larry Henry from SBI Soccer, and joining me, uh, as always of late, uh, the uh, the legend himself, Declan Hughes. Declan, uh, first off, uh, how you doing, man? Staying safe with all this, uh, the coronavirus uh, mania going on around the world? Yeah, just just keeping to myself, keeping a low profile. Um, probably best for, for us all if we just... Just self isolate, keep calm for a little bit. But the soccer debate and other debates still go on, like we're about to talk about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's no, sadly, no, uh, no football, no anything right now with uh, nothing going on. Basketball, baseball, hockey, uh, uh, NFL though, still going with the free agency. Uh, it was a, a busy period as well with that going on with the Eagles. I, I know, I know you like the Eagles and all. Uh, but, um, but, but sticking with the football. Um, first thing we wanted to talk about was, uh, was Liverpool. Uh, I know a lot has been uh, has been made about. The Premier League title, and if the season is voided out, um, Liverpool might not be awarded um, a first ever, uh, I guess, right? A first ever Premier League title since the since the days of the first division. Yep, you're correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, a lot of people are saying, media and, and news outlets, if if the season's voided, um, then Liverpool wouldn't be given given the trophy um in my opinion i think that's that's pretty harsh it's if if we're talking about last year uh, i was a to uh, a closer title race than it's one thing then to me it's fair for both teams but i mean liverpool are 25 points clear of manchester city i think they they are definitely deserving of it and uh they should be getting the trophy um no matter what but uh declan what what's your thoughts on it yeah i think it's a tough call and it's uh that predicament that the FA probably never thought they were going to be in. But I can see both the positives and the negatives of like voiding the season or um, giving the title to Liverpool. But in my opinion, I think it's clear-cut, as you pointed on, that um, 25 points clear of Manchester City in second. There's only nine games remaining, so two wins to automatically clinch it. Um, I think it's obvious that they're not going to get caught. I can't see Liverpool losing seven, eight games if they were to get played. But um, if they don't, I think it would be extremely harsh. And as you pointed out, last season it would have probably been a lot different because there was only two points in it between Liverpool and Man City. So different circumstances were in this season. But in my opinion, if the league should be void, it's obviously subjective to each club because the circumstances differ depending on where you're sitting on the table. So... Liverpool, again, it's obviously a high-profile aspect of it, but I think the more damaging or the more effective part of a void season, or if it did go on, would be the other clubs that are fighting for you know, relegation and promotion because that has a bigger financial impact. Yeah, it, it's a tricky situation for sure. I mean, when you look at it, um, it it's just tough right now what's going on with with everything around the world and obviously we've seen 
uh, you know, celebrities being uh, affected by the coronavirus, um, players as well. I mean, I remember at least here in the U.S., everyone was kind of worried with uh, it, when Chelsea, when Callum Hudson-Odoi had got it with Chelsea, and then the first thought, thought is everyone's thinking of Christian Pulisic because he's the, the 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 face of of the U.S. national team, and uh, it's just kind of crazy what's going on, and I'm not sure if. Um, you know, I'm not really sure if, if the season, um, is going to be played. It sounds like now that, um, now with the Euros being postponed, we could maybe see a, a longer, a, a longer, you know, like a break and then keep the season going, finish out the last nine games. Um, some teams have played more than others. So, um, it's kind of, in. It's, it, I've never, never seen it happen, obviously, where we've had a season run that late, um, but I, I definitely think that, that Liverpool are obviously well-deserving of getting the title. I mean, uh, like you had said, I mean, last year was one thing when the teams are, you have the top two teams that are neck and neck. And to me, if you avoid it, it's like, okay, well, it's fair for both teams. But, um, I mean, Liverpool loses one game in the league this season. You know, 27 wins, nine more than Manchester City. I mean, it's it's pretty clear cut that, they, that they're deserving of it. Um, I'm not sure what the, what the, the league the league is going to vote on. I mean, I'm not sure when the date is, when they're going to decide that, but um, putting you on the spot, Declan, do you think, do you think that they're going to get this season done? Or do you think that, that we will see a avoided season or, um, or something where I've also seen some things talked about where um, a couple teams could get promoted from the championship. And then next year they would play with 22 teams avoiding you know, relegating anybody from the Premier League right now, because to me, that's that's also just as harsh to relegate somebody and who who could easily turn their season around with nine games left. Yeah, um, it's it's difficult. I think with the the Euros being postponed to next year, I think a big factor in that was so the European domestic leagues can have got time to finish. So I think that was like a good aspect of it. And as you said, like. The thing you're saying about the 2013 league, I think that's that is harsh. But then, who do you promote? Because I know the championship's really close up right now, and then obviously they always have the big playoff game, which is the highlight of the championship. So, do you just go with the top two, or you know, because it's like it's tough because the four teams in the playoff spot would be like, wait a minute, we deserve our chance to to play that game and get promoted and I think the most important thing is like the financial aspect of it because getting into the Premier League is worth so much money so that's a tough call I don't see how you could you know promote two teams and then leave and make it a 22 team league because then that would shorten the, the championship and then we should do the same for League 1 and League 2 and then Conference to come up to the League 2 so it's a tough call, so I don't think we're, we're in the loop on what's going to happen, but as far as I think, the fairest way would be to um, finish the season, which I think we've got a date. They're targeting uh, June 30th. I think that's the target date, so hopefully we'll find out more information in the coming weeks. 
Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting how it plays out. Look, a good good thing we're not on that committee making that decision because it, it I could see a lot of people losing sleep over it for sure. It's a, it's a big big decision whatever way you look at it and and like you had said with the championship, I mean even looking at the table right now, Leeds United were first with 71, West Bromwich Albion in second with 70, and then you have Fulham Brentford, Nottingham Forest, and Preston North End occupying third through six of the playoff places. And then even outside of that, you look at the teams underneath. I mean, you have Preston North End in six with 56 points. And then you have all the way down to, to QPR in 13th with 50. So you're talking about just a couple matches. And if things went your way, you could be jumping up six, seven places in the championship and could easily turn around a season. So it's it's definitely tough, and I'm I'm curious to see if they get it done because it seems like the numbers um, for the coronavirus. I mean, I know in the U.S. have continued to to rise. Um, I haven't seen too much with with over overseas. I mean, I know Italy had had gotten hit really hard, and um, over in China, it seems like they kind of neutralized it, where which was good. But um, but then too is you don't know what's going to happen and what it could lead lead to down the road. Um, so it's, it's definitely going to be interesting, uh, to see how it plays out. Um, but I mean, you know, my decision, I think Liverpool should be, should be crowned champions. I mean, like I said, one loss in the league, um, easily probably could have went unbeaten in the league if they didn't lose that game against, uh, against Watford, which certainly helped Watford's chances in the relegation fight. But, um, so, uh, moving on, um, uh, one to, now look at that stay with the premier league but also look at the top four and and the relegation promotion kind of with the championship um so looking at at the premier league um right now um we had you know liverpool clear-cut 82 points manchester city second with 57 leicester 53 and chelsea 48 and fourth and then you have a bunch of teams all in the mix fifth through fifth through probably ninth i guess you can't really rule arsenal out of it but I mean, you have Manchester United, Wolverhampton Wanderers, Sheffield United, Tottenham, and Arsenal. So, um, what 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 do you think that um, you know the the league is going to do with 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 that, and then also with the relegation? Because there's a couple teams that are um, out of the relegation zone, but easily could be sucked into it with with uh, with nine matches to go. Yeah, this is obviously where it becomes a critical decision. And by the FA, if they decide to avoid the season or if they decide to, if the season ends with wider positions, because that obviously, as we touched on, has a significant impact on a lot of clubs. And um, top four, you pointed out on it, I think Liverpool, Man City, Leicester should be safely in the top, the top three. But as you say, from Chelsea even to Arsenal, I think is there only eight points in it, so. I think Arsenal will get a game in hand. So if they win that game in hand, that cuts that to maybe five. So you can't rule that out. And I'm sure clubs will be pointing that out to the FA. Like, we've still got a chance to get in either the top four or to get in a Europa League spot. So clubs will be arguing that. But as we said, with the relegation and promotion situation, for me personally, that's the most significant impact on the decision. Because, as we say, promotion to the Premier League can be worth at least £170 million to, to clubs, which is significant. Or if you're relegated, that obviously has financial ramifications too. And many relegated clubs sink down to the lower divisions in the English leagues. You've seen it 
with like Portsmouth as an example. And um, when you look at the table, 18th Bournemouth, 17th Watford, West Ham 16th, they've all played 29 games and they all, they've all got 27 points. And the only separation for them right now is goal difference, which leaves Bournemouth in the relegation zone. And in my opinion, if the season finished as it stands, that would be it's a devastating way to get relegated. It'd be different if it became goal difference because they played the 38 games. Then you're like, well, over the course of the season, you've not scored enough or you've conceded too many goals. But to finish it early and be relegated because of that factor would be extremely harsh. And also looking at Aston Villa, who are 19th, they've played 28 and they get 25 points, but just say they played their game in hand and they won that game in hand, they would leapfrog up to 16th. So there's that aspect of that too, Villa would be pointing that out, that if they played that one game, just say before the virus stopped football, then they could be safe. But it's all this and buts right now. Personally, now that we talked about the Euro Championships being postponed to 2021, I think that will hopefully give the domestic seasons time to finish. And therefore, we don't have any controversy on promotions, relegations, or championships being decided. It, yeah, exactly. And, and you would see, I think, if if that happened, where you would see um, teams like uh, like you know Bournemouth or or Aston Villa even relegated, and Aston Villa has that game in hand, and say they got relegated. I mean, I wonder if you would even see some kind of lawsuit from them because it's like, you know, like you said, you win that game, you, you get out, you get out of Dodge and and you got, you have the money coming in next year. And even at the top half of the table, I mean, Sheffield United had a game in hand as well. So if the, if they had won that game, they would jump from seventh all the way up to fifth and, and into, into the, uh, into the European spot, which would knock Manchester United out of it. And, and also we all, we also have to remember the, the, the the pending uh, decision regarding Manchester City and and UEFA as well, which could which could have opened up that uh that that other that fifth spot in the top five. Whether if Manchester City finished second, then they wouldn't have been say if they rule in favor of them being banned from the the European competitions, then then that would open up that fifth spot as well. So we could have been who knows we could have been talking about um Sheffield United be, being in European competition after a great year or uh even Wolves bounce Wolves continuing or bouncing back and staying in for another year so it's it's but like you said it's all ifs and buts right now it really has to 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 be decided by the leagues and by the FA of what's going to happen but again it's 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 a lot of money we're talking about whether it's um teams making European competitions or or also teams remaining in the league I mean, we saw it happen with, uh, like you said, Portsmouth. I mean, I also remember the, the, the years at Sunderland when they got relegated back-to-back years and you saw the, the squad completely get uh, re, re you know redone uh, just because yeah. of the money and all. So, you know, you're losing a lot of star players. Um, but, again, we still have, I think we still have the, the time and stuff for them to decide it. Um, now switching from, uh, from the Premier League and, and the race that's going, the races that were going on, um, you touched on it with the European Championships scheduled to be this summer, uh, in numerous European countries. Um, but due to the coronavirus, uh, you know, epidemic that's going on postponed to 2021, uh, as well as the Olympics in Tokyo. Um, what, what were your thoughts on, on that? I, I, I clearly think it was the right decision to move it because, 
I mean, you're talking the domestic leagues weren't even finished. Players would have to, um, who knows, players could have been working their way into Olympic rosters or European rosters pending on the a strong end of the season. Um, but then you're kind of, it could have booted some guys out. So, um, what, first off, what was your thoughts on it? Was it the right decision? And then also, uh, I know Scotland with being in the, in the playoffs as well for the Euros, um, you know, what could that mean for their team selection going forward? Yeah, I think it's a smart and sensible decision from UEFA. I think if it was to be held this year in June, it would be unfair on like medical services and even fans throughout Europe where the Euros are taking place because we know it's not in one one country, it's throughout Europe. So there would be no guarantee that the virus would be under control by June and July. So that would that could be a health hazard. And as I said, it would be unfair to put people's lives at risk. Also, as we touched on, it gives clubs a chance to finish their domestic season. So that would be a good aspect of it being delayed. And... There is still the qualifiers for the Euros to be played through the Nations League. So that means there's like no rush to have those fixtures completed. Which leads into Scotland, I think it could be good for Scotland because it gives our young emerging talents like Billy Gilmore, Scott McTominay, it gives them another season at the top level to continue their progression, become better players. So that's a positive aspect for me. Also, it allows, allows our injured players like... John McGinn, um, Kieran Tierney, gives these guys time to recover and get back to full fitness, which they probably wouldn't have made the Euros this year if if it was held. So that's good news for those kind of guys to to then get their name back in the hat for next season. Obviously, the downside is that injuries can occur during next season, which could impact players that might have been playing if it was held this summer. But again, that's just part of the game. Hopefully, we can all stay healthy and we can get through the qualifiers and into the Euros. Yeah, it's, it's, it, I th- again, I think it was the right decision. I mean, when you're talking about the, the domestic leagues not being done yet, um, a lot of guys, like we said, who could have made their mark in the last um, last couple months of the season that could have forced their way into a roster spot, and then now you take that away from them. So to me, that's also harsh to those those players that were on the fringe of making it or possibly making it and but again it's all it's all about the safety of of these these players i mean nobody wanted to see the olympics or the euros played with no fans i think that's just that's harsh as well i mean these these fans have a right to be there to support and you can't really take that away i think it would be pretty eerie to watch uh watch the olympics or or also the euros with no fans um, but again, I think it was smart to push it to 2021 and, and now it kind of creates a, creates a, an action pack 2021, right? I mean, we, now we're going to have, uh, a lot of, a lot of competitions being, uh, in the same year. Uh, we're going to have, uh, the Euros, the Olympics, um, Copa America as well in, in South America and, um, and then also World Cup qualifying, I think, which is going to be kind of rocking and rolling at that time as well. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how they, they piece it all together because, I mean, these players are going to be, um, you know, who knows when the domestic seasons are going to start for next season. Uh, these guys are going to be playing a lot of games. And then you toss in the fact that um, that the Champions League and the Europa League won't won't be having a winner this year uh, with, with them being postponed. So, um, so then you're, you know, you're going to be having some teams maybe, um, maybe a little bit fresher, but, 
also maybe not an ex a, a long longer preseason um so uh it'll it'll be interesting to see how how uefa and, and all these other leagues as well um piece it together uh, at least at least in my opinion with the u.s men's national team i mean they were they didn't even start qualifying for the olympics um because of because of the epidemic so uh, again a lot of those young guys that were getting the chance to to um to get in there from mls uh, the union the union here had a couple guys that were on the roster and they don't get a you know they don't get a chance now to kind of be there so um it, it kind of hurts a little bit to see it now it's like all right back to the drawing board see who's who uh who's gonna have a, a an amazing next year to make that roster, um and then now I wanted to switch um to back to the Premier League um with with the season up in the air uh not knowing what's gonna happen next um figured we'd hand out some some uh, yearly awards uh, I think that some guys uh, you know definitely deserve to get some recognition for the seasons they did have um, pending if the season continues. Um, Declan, starting with you, uh, you know, who, who, starting with the forwards list, uh, who, who would you give the top forward in the league to? Um, I think would it be really harsh on Jamie Vardy here because he scored 19 goals in 27 games, which is phenomenal. That's a superb season, but just my opinion, I think this year it's been Roberto Firmino because he just proves that not all forwards have to score 20 a season to be effective. I think about being like an opposition manager and coming up against Firmino and trying to strategise how to how to play against him, how to nullify him. And it's really difficult to try and come up with a solution because his play is just so unselfish. He works hard for his team. It's phenomenal. He'll drift out wide. He can go deep to pick up the ball or he'll drop off deep, which can create um, space for Manny or Salah or Henderson, whoever, to get in behind the defenders. And it, for me, as a guy that played defence, it would be a nightmare to try and mark. And I think he's just been, when you watch Liverpool's games throughout this season, last season, whatever, he's just been, he's a key piece to the puzzle for Jurgen Klopp. And I think his forward play is one of the reasons why Liverpool are so close to winning a Premier League title. Yeah, yeah, definitely agree with you there. A strong choice. Um, you know, Firmino is always a guy that I that I, uh, you know, he can do everything. He can hold the ball up. He can set up the teammates. He can score. He's physical. He can run the channels. Uh, basically everything you want from a modern day forward. Um, you know, my my pick staying with Liverpool. Um, gonna go with Sadio Mane. I think that just because, uh, just because how durable he's been and and being able to, the score and set up goals. 14 goals in the league and seven assists. So he, again, like Firmino can do it all. Um, maybe didn't, does, didn't get, uh, enough praise when he first got to Liverpool when, when Salah, um, you know, Salah got a lot more, I feel praised than Sadio Mane did. But, um, as we see, I mean, Mane really turned it on and, um, had a really good, strong start to the season and, and was key for them. So, um, and then we know what he can do internationally, uh, you know, uh, as well in those competitions. So, um, Sadio Mane definitely, uh, I think deserving as well as Roberto Firmino, because I, I mean, again, it, harsh for Jamie Vardy, right? I mean, 19 goals and, uh, continuing to play at such a high level at his age. Um, he even said he'd be willing to go back to England. Did you hear that? 
I didn't hear that and hope he doesn't because that would make England have a threat. So just stay in retirement, Jamie. Yeah, he did say that he'd be willing with the with the injuries if if the Euros were to go on and uh, this year with Harry Kane being out and stuff that he'd be open to a return uh, even at his age and and with his form I mean that would have been huge for England but uh but yeah I think I think he should just just hang it up stick to Leicester uh maybe give them one more league title before you hang up with uh, Brendan Rodgers now at the helm but um now switching keep continue with the awards uh Declan who switching to midfield who who do you like there um. There's been a few standouts for me. Um, one of them's my overall player of the year, so I'll leave him. So I decided to leave him till later. But for me, I think I'm going to give it to Jack, um, sorry, Jack Grealish of Aston Villa. I think he's almost single-handedly given Villa a chance to to stay in the Premier League next season. He's one of the most exciting players to watch in the Premier League. He's got great skill on the ball. I think his range of passion, uh, passing is phenomenal, um, and which is unusual with a lot of wingers, especially his stature. He's he's really strong. He doesn't go down as easily. He tries to stay on his feet, and that causes a lot of problems. Wins a lot of fouls for Villa, which is good. And I think whether Villa might stay up or go down, whatever the situation may be, I think top clubs will be inquiring about Grealish, and I think he deserves to be in a top four club next season because he's an astonishing talent and he showed um, faith to Aston Villa for the last couple of seasons now but I don't think they could uh, stand in his way of moving to a bigger club because he's a real top talent. Yeah, he definitely definitely is um, one one of the top performers I think out of those um, those bottom clubs right now that were in the relegation zone. I mean, he was always uh, an intriguing player to watch when when Villa were last up, and then really kind of worked on his craft in the championship was huge for them. I still remember that goal, that performance against Birmingham City when he got punched by the fan and then he kind of did the best thing you can do and that scored the winning goal in a in a local derby and shut the fans up uh at St Andrews but uh yeah he's continued to be uh be a top talent Jack Grealish um uh, that, uh, I'm gonna go with my pick uh maybe a little biased here but uh I think Kevin De Bruyne has just continued to to be uh one of the best if not the best um, producing midfielders in the world. I mean, 16 assists led the league with 16, and then um, only him and Trent Alexander-Arnold with double-digit assists. With uh, he had 12 for Liverpool, but and De Bruyne also chipped in eight goals as well, and just continues to really do everything. He runs the you know runs the show in midfield, and um and can also track back and defend, and he's just really really durable as well. Didn't miss too too much time, and you can see the difference when he's on the field and. And uh, I think that um, De Bruyne easily had a chance to reach that 20 assist mark if he continued the way he was going. I mean, with nine, eight, nine games left for Manchester City. and Disappointing for them in the league with falling so far behind, but easily had a chance to, to maybe win the Champions League with the way they were going and um, maybe putting a little more focus onto that, getting, the, getting, uh, getting to a first-ever final as well. But um, And then, uh, so... I think obviously both players uh, deserving Jack Grealish maybe more so for what he did for a team that didn't really have too too much to call on offensively. Yeah, but even the Bruyne, I think when he's not in the Man City team, 
you can tell because he's so pivotal. As you said, there's like assist rate, he's passing, his knowledge of the game. He's probably the best midfielder in the world currently. So when he's out injured, which is the only issue with him, he seems to pick up a lot. At least he seems to pick up an injury at least once a season. But when he's fit and he's at his best, Man City are the best. So yeah, I think there could be. There is obviously an argument that he is the best player this season because again he's been phenomenal when fit. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and it's and it's 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 kind of amazing to see because I remember when I mean I'm sure you remember too when when De Bruyne was in the Premier League with Chelsea and didn't really didn't really kind of pan out. Same thing with Mo Salah when they both were there, and um, it's kind of like what what would have happened if those those players had stayed there and where would Chelsea be right now? And uh, and you know and then he went to Wolfsburg. He did did really good there, um, and then made the move, and it, it's kind of been the best signing. Uh, you know, for Manchester City since since probably the, when they when they acquired the guys like David Silva and Aguero back when the the uh, the the regime was starting. Um, but uh, yeah, but you again I agree with you. You can see the difference when he's out there. He he does a lot for the team, and um, the big thing for him is just staying healthy. And you can see when he's when he's fit and he's on he's in a in a good run of form. He's easily the best midfielder in the world. Um, but now switching, uh, continuing the list here, uh, uh, gonna go go to the, the defenders. Uh, Declan, who who do you got? Is a one of those Liverpool wingbacks? Yeah, you've guessed correctly. Um, it was um, it's been tough because I don't think there's been a lot of great defending this year. You know, usually there's like a standout. Like last year, Van Dijk was just a standout player. He'd obviously got it, but. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold this year. Ten clean sheets. He talked on it. Twelve assists for a fullback's phenomenal. Chipped in with two goals. But I think the biggest compliment to him is that his defensive play is continuing to improve the more he plays. Um, last year, and when he broke through the season before, I think he was a bit lacking. But the more he's working with Klopp, the more he's playing with like Van Dijk, Gomez, I think he's becoming a better defender overall. Offensively, yep, sensational. Just how creative he is for as a right back. Um, I don't think I've ever seen a right back with so many assists and just everything comes through him when he whips a ball in. It's it's usually on point. Extremely talented young player, and again for already being at such a young age, he's probably one of the best fullbacks in the world, which is a huge compliment for him. Yeah, it's uh you know he's definitely definitely rising as one of the best uh young players uh in the world. I mean, twenty nine appearances, two goals, twelve assists. Uh, I mean his market value right now on on transfer market is uh, is one hundred twenty one million. So it just shows you um how well he's done and produced. I mean he's only twenty one years old. I think you can make an argument really for um for Alexander Arnold. Van Dyke or even Andrew Robertson, any three of those guys for uh best defender because I mean we know what Van Dyke brings is physical physical nature. He, you know he's he's one of the best, if not the best center back in the world, which I think I think he definitely is the best. Um, and then you have Andrew Robertson on the other side who he had seven assists as well and um is coming into his own as uh, as one of the best. Uh, you know, wing backs as well. Um, I guess if you picked someone, someone outside, I mean, maybe uh, of Liverpool, maybe you could even say like, like uh, I always thought Aaron Wan Bissaka with Manchester United is 
is one of the best 1v1 defenders. Um, I remember a couple times against Manchester City, he really um, did really well against the likes of, of Raheem Sterling and um, and Bernardo Silva and Riyad Mahrez. So anytime you can shut those players down, you're doing something re- really well. Um, Cesar Espilicueta with Chelsea, I think, is another one. He's a veteran, obviously, but he's continued to, to be really key for Chelsea as they kind of get in, go through this transition now with Frank Lampard. But, um, you know, uh, I'm not even going to make a pick. I, I would say any of those three guys from Liverpool uh, are, are well-deserving. And Alexander-Arnold, I think, has been the best of, best of the three. And it's crazy. He's twenty one. So, uh, and who knows? You're gonna see see him terrorizing the uh, the the the, uh, the Scottish team for years to come, right? Yeah, um, I don't like my chances when they play England just because they're a talent they've got in the squad. But yeah, as you said, twenty um, one. He can only get better, right? He's not even that like, he's peak yet. So. Credit to him, he's worked hard. He came out this, he came out the blue. I don't really remember him even coming out of the team, but he just seemed to to play, and then he just stayed there because obviously Klopp can see the talent that he has. But yeah, as you said, um, Liverpool's backline's been really impressive this year. I think they've missed Allison a lot because um, Adrian's a he's a backup. He's not he's made a few mistakes, but they miss Allison a lot when he's not playing. But the guys have still improved this season and it's been a real credit to, to Klopp because I think he came in, we touched on this before he came in, and he, I think he noticed that the, the defence needed to be improved on, so he certainly done that and they're one of the best overall teams defensively, I think they're one of the best teams in the league. Definitely, definitely, and that that be that be a great matchup to watch. As as I'm thinking it here, if you had an England Scotland game again, and you have Alexander Arnold bombing down the right side, going up against uh, Andrew Robertson, right? You'd have uh, Robertson and and uh, and uh, Alexander Arnold on the same side. Yeah, I mean, Andy would just um, give him a good tactical film, let him know he's in the game, and that would um, put Alexander Arnold up. So I'd be confident Andy Robertson would. Um, Prevailing that matchup. Yep, yep. Uh, and then concluding the awards, I'm um, gonna go with the uh, with the goalkeepers. Uh, I think there's been a handful of really good uh, goal goalkeepers. Obviously, I mean, the, the, you have the 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 veteran guys. I think like David de Gea and and Casper Schmeichel. But um, you know, I wanted to kick this one off with with uh, with a guy. I think that's really. Uh, two players I think that have been really kind of flown under the radar, and um, one being Dean Henderson with Sheffield United. I mean, he's got played twenty seven games, ten clean sheets, which was tied with uh, with Schmeichel and Allison for for second. Um, I think he's just been a, a huge huge acquisition for them, and uh, I think he could could be even be in the mix um, down the road with 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 England as well. I mean, he's twenty three. Um, he's been, he's two penalty saves as well. So he's been a hundred percent against, uh, penalties. Um, and really a key, key, uh, you always, I think when you're a promoted team, you always need to have a good, good, confident goalkeeper. And I think Dean Henderson has been, um, one of the best, but if I think if I want to go with the best, I think of just individual performances and, and, and how, how well he's done. I think Nick Pope has been, uh, really sensational for Burnley. I mean, 11 clean sheets, 29 games played, 27 years old. So another guy as well that seems like England have uh, like 10 goalkeepers that they could choose from if they wanted. 
But um, I think Nick Pope is is uh, well deserving of that as well, and has have earned Burnley a lot of uh, a lot of points this season just from his heroics. But uh, but who do you have, Declan? Yeah, well, those two guys that um on my fantasy team, so clearly I know who to pick as my goalkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you touched on it. You touched on it for me. I think Dean Henderson's been a revelation this season on loan from Man United. He pointed it out, 10 clean sheets, two penalty saves. I think he's a great uh, shot stopper. He's a good positional sense. He's commanding. He's good with the ball at his feet. I think he's everything you want in a modern-day goalkeeper. And Man United, he's on loan from Manchester United. I think they've got a key decision to make either next season or the season after as to whether they want to possibly make Dean Henderson their number one and cash in on the hair where they can, because they could probably still get a lot of money for the hair. And in my opinion, I think it'd be smart to maybe ship the hair out and maybe bring Dean Henderson in as their number one. But even as you pointed out, Mike Pope's had a sensational season. In my opinion, those are the two best English goalkeepers. I would have those two over Jordan Pickford, but that's just me personally. But yeah, those two as you pointed out, have been the standouts, I think, this season. Yeah, it's got to be an interesting decision, I think, for uh, for Garrett Southgate going forward. I mean, now with the Euros not going on, I mean, he definitely has a lot of uh, a lot of options and good competition for the for the number one spot because um, I don't think Dean Henderson has, has been named to an England squad yet, but, I mean, he's at that age, 23, where I think that, he he should be getting a look, and and then you also have like you said Jordan Pickford, who's who's twenty six. Obviously, we know what he did um, in, in the last World Cup, but um, I think that these two, Nick Pope and Dean Henderson, have, have had far better seasons than him. And and maybe it's maybe it's a you know you don't know maybe you want to go with the guy that is more experienced, but. Um, I think too, looking at Dean Henderson, um, if you're Sheffield United, I think you, I think you have to, you have to start considering should we put the money there and try to get this guy because it's finding really good, consistent young goalkeepers are hard to find in any league. Yeah, but if if I'm Man United and we're looking to build a squad, always try to build a squad. He's signed some good players, made some good acquisitions, but for me, the hair's getting on. Not he's getting on. He could still play for another six, eight seasons at the top level. He's the world-class goalkeeper, but if the big if big money came in from Real Madrid, say, I'm thinking about it and I'm really considering just serving him and going with Henderson because I see the potential there. Good thing, like, he's playing in the Premier League now. He's playing with a, a team that's probably overachieving, but I think he is a really good goalkeeper. He's got the potential to be world-class and I think he deserves a shot at Man United, but if you if they're willing to sell him, um, his market value has certainly been up this season. Yeah, that definitely, and I think um, I, I agree with you. I think if you're Manchester United, I think at this point, I mean, we know what David de Gea has done. He's been a great servant for the club. Um, he's getting up near. He's 29 years old, so he'll be 30 uh, later this year. And uh, I think at that point, maybe you try to ship him out, like um, you know, like we did. Chel- we saw Chelsea do with Courtois and um, some other guys that were were in the league. Um, uh, here's the here's the joke the joke of the show when you say the the worst goalkeeper of the the Premier League was Ederson this year right? Ederson, like Ederson's a world class goalkeeper, there's no doubt about it. But I've seen a lot of mistakes from him this year and even last year against Tottenham in the Champions League. I think 
positionally, sometimes he doesn't do himself any favours, but he's still a world-class goalkeeper, there's no doubt about it, but I think Alisson's on a different level overall, but yeah, he's, like, he's, still, he's still good, but he's cost your team a few points this year, I think. Yeah, and that that that's an even tougher decision, right? If you're uh, you're leading Brazil, I mean, you have Ederson and you have Allison, so it's like who? You, you, I mean, to me, I think they're the best two two Brazilian goalkeepers in the world right now. But it it seems like it's a it's a big drop off just after this season. I mean, I know Allison's had some some injury issues as well, but I think he would be the clear cut number one for Brazil. Yeah, it's um, Southgate and then the Brazil manager. The, these are good good headaches to have like not a lot of teams have got one world class goalkeeper these guys have got two or three that are at a top level so if I'm the manager that's the kind of headaches I want is deciding which world class player I want to put in my starting 11 rather than having a lot of bad publicity or bad press over certain issues so these are good things to have and um, the Premier League's got I mean there's a lot of really good goalkeepers in the league right now we've pointed out four or five of them there's still a lot of other players that I think are good. I think Chelsea, if we just point on them right now, they've got a decision to make. Frank Lampard, whether he goes with Azabalaga or is he going to move him on and possibly sign someone else? I heard a rumour that maybe they want to go for Dean Henderson. So there's going to be a lot of talk in the transfer window in the summer, whenever it may be, about goalkeepers. But Yeah, it was it was definitely an interesting uh, moment. I do remember because you know we ended up winning the 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 the, uh, the tournament that day, but it was yeah, it was uh, it was very interesting. You know, it's kind of like I, I'm I'm with you on that. If I'm the manager at that point, then you know you're you're gone, you're gone, and uh, you know, and, and I mean he's done well. He's done well this season. I mean he, he Keppa, he's he's uh you know six clean sheets, but probably not up to the standards of his talent, but. Definitely got some some mental issues as well. I think even a guy looking at the list of the goalkeepers this year. I mean, another guy I'd love to give a shout to is is Martin Dubrovka at Newcastle. I think watching a couple of their games, he's made so many huge saves for them, and that was a team that was um, a little clearer of the relegation zone, but easily could have been sucked back into it. And but I mean, nine clean sheets and was a was a huge acquisition as well and then even looking at other guys I mean Rui Patricio we know what he can bring uh, a long time starter with Portugal and um and uh and you know he had eight clean sheets as well so um basically everyone on this list is good except for uh our good our good pal Anto Pilik's Tottenham goalkeepers which uh which were pretty horrendous this season yeah Fanto, if you end up listening to this you've got you've got a decision to make because I think Lloris is a good goalkeeper. I mean, it's hard to criticise a man that's a World Cup winner, but again, I think he just makes too many mistakes. I think sometimes he's a little weak at the near post. Saves that he should make, he doesn't. 
So I think if I'm Mourinho next year, I'm looking to acquire a goalkeeper, which again does keep us out there. Maybe Henderson could go to Spurs. I don't know what Anto thinks on that. He can let us know. But I think it's time for Luis to maybe move on and they try and acquire someone new. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I mean, the Helly. I mean, I I'm not gonna give them too much slack at the goalkeeper position because their their defending has been overall their season's been pretty poor and the defending hasn't helped. I mean, they only have four clean sheets in in thirty games. I mean, Larice Larice was hurt as well. I mean, he only played twelve games in the league and had two clean sheets. Uh, Paolo Gazinga uh, Gazaniga had two. Uh, clean sheets in in eighteen appearances. So, um, but again, if the defending's not doing uh the best that they can be as well, I mean, it, you can't. I guess we can't just bash the the goalkeepers. But again, Larice is an experienced guy, World Cup winner. Um, maybe not the best season for him. He wasn't healthy for a lot of it, but even when he was in, I remember the game that they they beat Manchester City, and Manchester City had a lot of chances to to win that game and um there were some kind of some bonehead incidents with Larice that he got away with and uh and you know you don't expect veterans to really do have perform those mistakes but but it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out this summer um and, and see what happens with the rosters I'm very curious to see if the season continues um but then also seeing uh who goes where in the Premier League and what names we could see make the move to the Premier League but uh, one name that that definitely isn't changing on this podcast is Declan Hughes because he'll be he'll be continuing to uh to bring the goods uh every time. So Declan, uh, th- thanks a lot for for uh joining again and uh, stay safe, my friend. Hopefully we we uh, get out soon and uh, kick kick the uh, kick the football around. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, it's a pleasure. You stay safe too, but. I don't think we should be playing together because I think I would wipe the floor with you. But <laughs> either that, either that, or I'd lose my ACL with uh, one of your tackles, right? Yeah, true. So you know my weakness, but I'll protect myself there. There you go. Uh, thank you, everyone, for for uh, listening again. This is Declan Hughes joining me uh, as always, uh, and uh, myself, Larry Henry. Uh, more of my stuff on SBI Soccer as well as the International Champions Cup. Uh, of late getting some some european features in there as well so uh make sure you check that and uh come back again listen to us upper 90 podcast stay safe everyone thanks for listening